Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Pugliafito, and I'm here today with Dr. Mohamed Ghanib of Nanoscope Therapeutics. She's the chief medical officer. Uh, Mohamed, welcome to Retina Synthesis. Thank you, Cameron, for having me over here. It's a pleasure um, to be on, on, on your pod here and excited, you know, to give you more background about nanoscope technology and what you're trying to do for our patient with retina generation. Um, optogenetics is something that's new to the retinal community. Can you tell us what optogenetics is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a retina surgeon, I can tell you, um, I'm excited about this in personally. Um, um, it's a very novel, exciting technology for our patients with retinal generation. But let me give you some background because this is kind of exciting how this started, you know, how the field got evolved. Francis, you know, Crick, who discovered the DNA, one of the co-discoverers of the DNA, he was one of the earlier um, scientists discussed, you know, the use of light to stimulate autoric neurons in our retina and brain. And, and, and that was, you know, like years back, right? But nobody, you know, figured out from that time point, you know, what could we do? And there was all the research have been done in the neural space, neurobiology, basically, to look at that, you know, as, as a technology platform. But just, you know, to, to give background about optogenetics. So optogenetics is basically combining using, you know, uh, a gene transfection or gene uh, therapy and, and light. And, and you try to stimulate, you know, a, a light sensitive protein in your retina or your neurons to be activated by a light source that could be external, could be, you know, ambient, could be, you know, a different modality people are using right now. That's where the name came from, optogenetic. So it's a combination of the optics and genetic to stimulate um, uh, our neural tissue. So it's a kind of like a form of neuromodulation strategy. So you have uh, have an intravitreal delivered AAV2 vector, viral vector, and you're targeting bipolar cells. That's uh, and, and how does that work? So um, background about the company and the technology in hand. So Nanoscope is a clinical stage company they are base headquarters in Texas with a head um, quarter or like an, another office in Mass in Boston area in Cambridge. But um, um, they have a lead asset called MCO010, which is, as you mentioned, it's an AVA2 um, um, a viral um, delivered multi-characteristic opsins delivered to the on-polar cells inside our retina. And, and, and using the technology, the optogenetics. So basically you try to transfer this light sensitive material in our you know, bipolar cells and, and using an ambient light, not using you know, any other you know, source of light you know, to activate that you know, molecule to produce you know, like um, um, a visual currency inside our retina. Why bipolar cells? That's a part of, of the technology and, and the differentiation of the technology actually between you know, nanoscope technology platform versus other uh, players in the field. Um, as you know, as a retina surgeon specialist, the unbipolar cells have a larger number in our retina, are, pre are present in larger number than the retina ganglion cells, which are the target for the other platform in the field. And that itself will give you higher you know, special resolution, right? 
That's number one. Number two, you know, the ganglion cells, excuse me, the bipolar cells also have this more visual processing that will give you even, you know, more, you know, like, um, 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 I would say, you know, give you more opportunity, you know, on the visual um, um, currency or the photocurrency and, and it give, you know, better, you know, visual um, um, also resolution. That's the reason why we are targeting the unbipolar cells and, and versus the retin retinal ganglion cells. And, and we have some data showing very exciting, you know, like um, um, outcomes in patients with retinal degeneration. So essentially you're converting the bipolar cells into light sensing tissue. This is correct. So literally we are regenerating the retina or re-engineering the retina by developing a new photoreceptors for those patients who lost their outer retina structure, right? Including the photoreceptors. And, and, and that's why the technology have to be used in patients who still have intact neural tissue and our retina structures, including bipolar cells. And, and that's exactly what we're trying to do, re-engineering the retina to develop a new photoreceptors uh, for those patients with retinal degeneration. And your first uh, target disease is retinitis pigmentosa. This is correct. And, and your approach is also interesting in that it is genotype agnostic. In other words, you're, it doesn't matter what the genetic defect is that's causing the retinitis pigmentosa, optogenetics will work. Yeah, and, and, and this is exciting. You know, um, um, Carmen, I can tell you, um, just going back a few years back when we started the waves of the ocular gene therapy, this was a traditional conventional gene replacement therapy. You go after a gene mutation and you try to replace it with the healthy template and try to correct the deficit or the defect in your retina, right? It's a great opportunity for our patients, but remember there's a lot of numbers of genes we cannot find. We cannot, you know, genotype this patient. Number two, going after all these hundreds of gene mutation at a time, it will take you know, a lot of time, right? So there's all this limitation with the conventional gene therapy. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. You know, it's a great opportunity for our patients, but it's still there's all this significant unmet medical need, right? What we're trying to do with, with, with our technology at Nanoscope and other people in the field of optogenetics, we try to overcome that hurdle. Like the patients who cannot genotype, the patients, you know, we cannot correct each mutation, you know, uh, uh, altogether. So we're trying to be gene agnostic or another way, you know, gene independent approach. And by the way, this could not be only applied to retinal degeneration or inherited retinal degeneration diseases. This could be also applied for other retinal diseases that have outer retinal structure abnormality or, or, or degeneration, right? Think about it like patients with GA, geographic atrophy, right? And they have the same kind of, it's a different urgent, right? It's a different mechanism, you know, for the pulse physiology or pulse biology, but the outcome is similar, right? There's similarity in the outcome. You have, you know, the outer retina structure are lost. The inner retina is still entered in most of this patient. So that's what we're trying you know, to, to do here by applying the technology to restore the vision in this patient with an intact retina structure, inner retina, neural tissue versus the outer retina. And that's what we're trying to do in our first in human in patient with RP. So the first in human trial, we're trying, actually, this is not the first in human. This is the phase 2B. The RP patient population, it's a proof of concept in human. So what we're trying to do 
in our drug development or clinical development strategy, the RP patient will be the one to show if we're able to achieve that in patient with retinitis pigmentosa, we will apply the same molecule, the same technology in other patients with outer retinal degeneration, including Stargardt disease, Asher syndrome, Conrad dystrophy, even GA patients, geographic atrophy patient. So that's why, you know, we're very excited about the technology. We have to prove it in the clinic, obviously, which we're doing right now. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, clinical trial results that you just presented in your first group of patients with retinitis pigmentosa? Sure. So we had a chance to present this um, um, last you know, uh, time in, at the ARVO. We also plan to present at Retina Society and the American Society for Retina Specialists you know, end of the summer. So stay tuned. And, and um, so the summary of the phase one to a trial we conducted, it was a single um, a center. It's an open label with the first in humans. So we were looking at the safety and tolerability of our intravitreal injection of the MCO-010 molecule. And also we looked at some other efficacy measure outcome, including visual acuity using the fiber uh, visual acuity chart, um, um, hand-free visual field, other you know, visual function assessment, including you know, the mobility MACE test, right? Like what other people did in the field. The outcome, it was 11 patient only, and, and, and we will mainly patient was advanced stage of retinitis pigmentosa, different gene mutation, it was a gene agnostic, um, and, and what we found was quite exciting, I can tell you. First of all, all the patients have been dosed. We followed this patient up to 52 weeks, one year after a single baseline intravitreal injection. What we found after one year from the baseline injection, all the patient was, um, um, the safety profile was very favorable. We didn't see you know, any significant you know, intraocular inflammation. We didn't see any like a long-term immunogenicity changes from baseline. We saw, you know, some events, very mild, moderate events of intraocular inflammation, which is typical with gene therapy, which was very transient, last only for a few um, of days, was treated with topical medication without any long-term sequelae. So the safety profile was in very um, um, uh, in favor to advance the molecule. The most important part was the efficacy. Usually, you know, like you're not expect to see, you know, much, you know, and, and this was a big surprise we found. It was in a very positive note. We found patients, you know, who received the single intravitreal, it was single intravitreal injection at baseline. We saw many patients actually improved on many visual functions, not only the visual acuity, including the other visual function uh, and measure outcome like visual uh, uh, field, the, 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 the FST and, 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 and uh, MACE test. One of the biggest surprise for me to see, I saw, you know, close to, this was like close to 80% of the patient, 80% improved three lines on the visual acuity chart, 15 letters. And we have close to 50% of the patient were able to improve at least six lines, 30 letters on the visual acuity charts. You have to think about, you know, this is kind of very significant and clinically meaningful, but also remember this patient was very poor acuity, right? So there's some variability, but we use the Freiburg, Logmar, Freiburg visual acuity chart, which is very um, correlated to the ETRS, which is a commonly used in retina therapeutics. So it's a very exciting data. And the trend was very similar in the other visual functions uh, uh, tests we did, like on the mobility test. 
we did, you know, this mobility maze test and, and we put obstacles in front of the patient and, and asked him to look, you know, and try to hit the target with different intensity of light. And many of the subjects were able to navigate that easily, especially after four months from the injection. So we start to see a positive trend in the efficacy around months four from baseline injection. And that trend sustained and, and became, you know, more pronounced around 52 weeks one year after the injection. So it gives us you know, a lot of you know, confidence to move this molecule forward. That's why we are in the phase 2B right now. In the US, it's a multi-center double mass trial, but very exciting you know, uh, uh, data. I'm excited about personally for our patient, and we'll see what's going to happen with the lead development trial. So um, what uh, did the patients report subjectively about the quality of their vision? What did they, this is a good what, question. What, what did they say? Go ahead, Karen, please. What did they What did they tell the investigators about the quality of their vision? So it's a great question, and and it's an important question because you need, as you know, with gene therapy and also all these patients with inheritance degeneration, the quality of life matters for them, right? And 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 we always take. I was telling all the time my colleagues or, or, or my team members, you know, like we take everything for granted, right? We are normal sighted people and, 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 and any small change for us is not meaningful, but for patients with retinal degeneration is very meaningful. So we applied, you know, the NIH, you know, um, um, uh, VFQ a visual questionnaire, which is a uh, very validated and, and commonly used, you know, in retina uh, uh, drug development. So the patient was describing, you know, overall the composite score of, 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 of from all the 11 patients um, uh, we studied, they were very, very positive. They described, you know, meaningful changes in their daily routines, right? Just going, you know, from one room to the other without any assistance. We're able to go, you know, from a little bit, dim little places to outside their home, right? To, 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 to check what's going on outside. Some patients were able to describe, you know, they're able to see, you know, objects on the wall they were never able to see before and so on. Actually, we have like a very interesting, and we're going to present this data very soon, a video of some of those patients. They were able to navigate going outside, walk down the stairs, going outside their, you know, um, uh, homes or their comfort zone and, and on their own without any support, without any uh, guidance, without anybody around them. And that was very like uh, when I saw this was very rewarding, you know. And 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 so patient was very positive, and they they described many things. One of them, even the color discrimination, right? They were able to see colors they didn't see before. And and I told you the visual acuity was the biggest part because people were able to see, you know, things on the chart again. So they went from off chart to on chart, and that was very significant for for a few patients, you know, against a small number of patients, eleven only. But we are trying to look, you know, at more, you know, patient in our, you know, current, you know, phase two B trial. So, in some optogenetic therapies, the patients wear goggles and use a special light source. Can you talk to us a little bit about the difference between nanoscopes approach and these other approaches? Yeah, absolutely. And and Harvey, you hit, you know, a very important point. And and. And, and, and you are right, for our technology, we're using you know, this you know, molecule, this called the multi-characteristic opsin, which is the polychromatic opsins. And, and basically what those you know, multi-characteristic opsin can do, they could be activated 
And what we found preclinically in all preclinical, you know, and research work we've done before we went to the human, we found we were able to activate the neurons in our retina using the natural ambient light. So the exposure of the light, you know, to activate, you know, our, our molecules was very, very small. And, and, and most of the things what we found was quite exciting because the stimulation threshold for, for those neurons were way, way, way higher than, you know, what's required, you know, by nature, right? That's why I believe, you know, with our technology, you were able to really restore some vision. But back to your question about the other technology, the other technology using this monochromatic absence, channel redoxins, for examples, right? And, and, and just physiologically to activate those channel redoxins, you require very intense, high, you know, like exposure to light level, very high intensity of light. And as you know, that on long-term might cause, you know, phototoxicity it have been reported in, in, in some studies and, and also preclinically high exposure to that intense light on long-term can cause retina, you know, phototoxicity and, and, and retina neurogeneration. That's why, you know, the other, you know, technology need to have this external goggles to activate their um, um, light sensitive proteins and molecules inside the retina. We don't require that. And that's a very big differentiation in our technology versus the other. And I'm excited about too, because if, you, if, if you're able in our drug development, simulate the natural conditions, right? We are living not, you know, like an intense light environment. The natural light, you know, or the ambient light you know, outside our home, you know, it's not so intense, you know, as, 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 as the other technology is applying. So we were able to activate our molecule using the ambient light or the natural light, which is quite exciting. And I think that's related to the molecules we're using versus, you know, the other, you know, platform. So this is really exciting. What's the phase two trial going to, how many, how many subjects and then has it started yet? Yeah. So we actually did start, you know, we actually dosed the first patient. I can share with you. I'm very excited about this announcement. We had a press release about that. It was public in public domain since July. So we dosed our first patient in July this year, 2021. It's a, the study is around 27 patients to be enrolled. It's a multi-central controlled double um, placebo, you know, study here in U.S. We were injecting two doses of our molecule versus the sham control arm. And the idea to enroll 27 patients, we will be on target. We are planning to be on target, you know, to finish our enrollment. My expectation to be done, you know, by, you know, end of the summer, early fall. And, and we are on target of that. We already enrolled, you know, six patients thus far as we speak uh, today. And it's exciting, you know, so far, you know, everybody, you know, looking great, you know, we didn't see any safety signal, obviously it's double mass, you know, and, and, but so far we didn't see any, any signals. The design of this study is, was mirroring, you know, the phase one to a study we did, you know, last year. The two things are a little bit different. We used, you know, the same highest dose we used in the first trial we're using here, and then we're using one dose below. So, so we can have like a dose ranging. It's going to be the same technique, intravitreal delivery, one single intravitreal baseline injection and follow up for one year. And, and we're including many patients, you know, versus 11, and we're including also patients with a different genetic, you know, like mutation. So we can look at the genotyping versus the phenotyping, phenotypic correlation. 
And the same endpoint, the main endpoint will be the um, visual acuity and the mobility testing. Obviously, the safety and the tolerability and the immunogenicity profile and factorization will be of, of, of importance to, to watch. We didn't expect, you know, to see any, but that's going to be a part, you know, of our trial, you know, uh, endpoint. So what are the entry visual acuities of the patients? So for this trial, we are designing this, you know, very similar to the other one. So the study eye will be, you know, non, non I would say, you know, LP and, and, and hand motion counterfeit. So going to be still, you know, a poor acuity will be on the uh, low vision acuity. The fill eye cannot be any better than, you know, like um, counter finger, you know, uh, 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 in the fellow eye. We obviously will inject in the worst seeing eye. We're not going to use, you know, the best seeing eye in those patients. So it's still going to be the advanced form of RP patient population. And the idea after this trial, maybe for our phase three and the late development trial, this is a phase two B, it's very late. We might include patients who are more better acuity in the study eye. By this stage, you know, we are focusing on patients with advanced RP. Well, Mohammed, this is very exciting. Thanks so much for sharing you your work at Nanoscope Therapeutics. Um, we're really going to be following this closely. We'll hope to get you back when, when the results of the phase two trial are in. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, Karen, for having me on. Thanks a lot.